We're back. And deader than ever. I'm Tamara. I'm Kelly. And this is Goopy. That was good. How the hell are you, kid? I'm surviving. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say thriving. I wouldn't even tiptoe to thriving. <laughs> In fact, that's why I didn't say thriving. <laughs> Specifically said surviving. Um, I, my team, my softball team just won the championship. Woohoo! <laughs> okay. Catcher of the uh, year. Uh, uh, uh. I've actually been playing right field. Thank God. Well... <laughs> Right field. You've been learning right field. Yeah. Honestly, I was literally twice about to catch the ball, but the guy, because it's co-ed, and the one guy that's next to me, I love him. He's great, but he's so into it. He literally ran over in front of me, and I was like, I got it. Are you sure? Like, he's like, I got it. I got it. I was like, are you sure? Because it's like, literally, all I got to do is open my mitt. (laughs) And he's like, no, I got it. I'm like, okay. You can't tell me stories like this because I'm like, fuck that guy. For (laughs) sure, for sure. Well, and I told him. I was like, you know, next time, like, I literally could have gotten it. He was like, you should have called it. I was like, you know what? I I did call it. I was like, it means more to you that you catch it right now than it does to me. And not in, like, a shady way, just in, like, a, you know what? I'm just having a good time. Like, you didn't have to say it in a shady way for it to be shady as fuck. (laughs) That's so funny. What a subtle, like, jab at him. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I didn't know how much this means to you and you have nothing else going for you. So... (laughs) That's not what I mean. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But, but I guess because yeah. people get really, really into like league game. If there's they do. there's no stakes whatsoever, like literally none. <laughs> you think we were? You think that guy is like intense? You should have seen the other team. <laughs> like no. they they got a guy who will. I don't know if you've ever watched baseball, like professional mm. baseball, mm. when they just kind of like do their little tap dance in the beginning by the home plate. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He'll like dig his foot into the sand and when i was catcher sand it's dirt <laughs> um, he's got a ritual yeah and when i was catcher like every fucking uh ump would be like why the fuck does he do that and i'm like mm. he thinks he's out in like wrigley field right now <laughs> <laughs> look at those look at those baseball pants he's got on <laughs> are you kidding no no i'm not <laughs> whereas like we got a guy on our team the guy's friend that i just spoke of on our team uh he came and helped out, and he was an incredible player. Like, he was hitting homers. And he's just sitting up there like, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Him and I vibed. Because mm. he's like, I would, I think I missed the ball at one point, and he was next to me. And he was like, he's like, life's hard. This is supposed to be fun. And I was like, man. That, that man's getting a big enough paycheck at home that he was like, I don't have to worry about this. Right. This he's, is- <laughs> I'm just here to have a good time. Exactly. This he is my was hobby. so good because well, he plays on like downtown leagues and he was so good that he just was like, this is nothing. Like this, this is, is practice. Um, right. <laughs> he was just having a good day. He was mm-hmm. vibing with everyone. But um, no, the team is so fun. And so I'm actually really sad because now I don't know. I've been seeing these people every week. For the entirety of the summer, like from summer to just yesterday. That's crazy that you've been doing it this long. You, I would say, talk about it the least of everything you do. I don't know if I've ever spoken about it, actually. <laughs> not, to, not to the pod. I think we've only talked about how a catcher, and they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Why is she coming? <laughs> you playing softball was just like a side quest. You're like, let me... Let me honestly for the plot, let me go ahead and mix it up a little bit. And honestly, for my life, that's what I said. And yeah. I met some incredible people. Like I'm really happy and I hope the team gets together mm-hmm. next year. 
and I'm inviting a couple of people to the um, the Halloween party. I wa- I would invite more, but a lot of them work together, and I don't mm. want to invite everyone. And you couldn't invite some of them. Right, because I would feel weird, you know? This so. is all getting cut. <laughs> I don't know. Just the one girl... Who I only told one person about the podcast, mm. and she's invited. So. Oh, okay. Hey, girl. <laughs> What's her name? Uh, Megan. Hi, Megan. <laughs> yeah, I um, and it's not that I don't like the team. It's just I feel like it'd be a weird mix of people. Also, like it already is. Right. The reason we all get along is because we all play softball, and like we can talk oh. about that and stuff. Like. It's a ragtag team. It is literally, and that's what every other team hates our fucking guts. And it's so funny. Are you guys, oh, I was going to say, are you guys good? You won. (laughs) So we're, I say it like we are better than we have any right to be because Mm -hmm. of how ragtag we are. Yeah. And like these other teams take it so seriously. And like some people on our team take it really seriously, but like only when we're losing, only when we're losing do they take it really seriously. Mm. Once we're winning, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's joking. Well, that's kind of like the state of everything, I think. <laughs> when you're losing, you're like, I'm a snail and God is salting me. <laughs> but Megan and I, we, we do a really good job of like keeping the keeping the vibe up when everyone yeah. gets really t- She's get like, everyone's morale. pouting again. <laughs> so, um. It's nap time. Everybody's sleepy. <laughs> Angie <laughs> babies. <laughs> I love that. Negging your own team. <laughs> Honestly, that's what they need, and I'm gonna use that next year. Everybody's so sneaky in here, and but cranky. Everybody needs Mimi's time. <laughs> it's Mimi's. So, um, that was a highlight. Uh, that is so. I'm very into doing things for the plot. That's, <laughs> that's why I stayed at this job this long, girl. I literally signed up to just be like a. Like a fill-in for a team. And last year I did one game on one of the teams that we played. Mm. And they are so intense. It was not fun. I was mm. like, why am I here? Who got me here? Yeah. This no is, one's talking to you. People this, are spitting at you. This <laughs> is the early part of the movie where I'm a loser. Yeah. <laughs> like everything's yeah, yeah, yeah. uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, this time I was like, do I even want to do it again? And I was like, well, I might as well go. Yeah. What else am I doing? It's a little hobby. What else am I doing? <laughs> you know, just like so Everything. much. Everything. Like yeah, no time for it. That's like whenever um, my my job asked me to like chaperone things. Yeah, you're like, why not? And you're like, I could give you five thousand reasons. Why. Like literally, I'm like, oh, I have to just spend legitimately twelve hours, <laughs> legitimately twelve hours at my job on a Friday um, to chaperone children who don't give a fuck if I died tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's up? But honestly, that uh, what I'm talking about is I chaperoned homecoming this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it said was, you were still recovering. I was still recovering. It was fun. It's Friday. It's been a whole week. It's, <laughs> no, I am still recovering because I have been like so fucking slammed. I like every single second of every single day is accounted for. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Until until I think November shit clears up. After we come yeah. back from the trip, I think my November is honestly blank compared to my October. Seriously. We, we had so many plans. October is my favorite month out of the year, and it sucks because it's always the busiest. Same for me. And not even with, like, spooky stuff. No. Like, I want to go to a haunted house so bad. Halloween's tomorrow. Literally. Like, yeah. I literally can't. I'm getting my nipples pierced on Halloween. Okay. <laughs> 
the way you said it was like a threat. No. I just like made a decision. And okay, an appointment. Cool. Um, both of them? Mm-hmm. At the same time. Okay. You can't go swimming for a while. I feel like I interrupted how you were to tell no. you that my nipples are being pierced. You didn't. Um, like 90% of that's getting cut anyway. That's fair. Um, I wanted to ask <clears> you today because I was thinking, um, well, I was just, what do you think the whitest thing about you is? The most Caucasian. You are not Caucasian for the pod. For the pod, I am not <laughs> Caucasian. But you know. Like. Um, the whitest thing about me is that this is actually this is this a trap? Because <laughs> no, it's not a trap. Because <laughs> I, I feel like thinking. I can't say anything without insulting white people. Well, I don't give a fuck. But are you like, in particular. Please. Wait, is it like hanging out with me? Because that's aggressive. <laughs> no, but that's probably up there. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the whitest thing about me is that I can be a little gross sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, um, I have no boundaries with my cat. That's a white people thing. Like, mm, like I don't do that. I have a lot of boundaries with my pets. I don't. Uh, well, <laughs> that is a white people well, thing. Well, him, <laughs> the dog that lives upstairs, I do, because he, he is smelly and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with Maisie, I would use her as a pillow pet if I could. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would wear her as a scarf. Uh, I love her so much. That's like classically a white people thing. Yeah. Like so letting dogs lick your mouth. That's crazy. <clears throat> never done that. But <laughs> never, I would never. <sighs> and with Maisie, like, she wants to uh, put her paws on my face, mm-hmm. and I don't allow that. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say that the whitest thing about me is that I can be kind of gross. <laughs> With, yeah. Like that stuff. Yeah. Or like, you know, I'll leave my hair in the shower. I think that's just a girl thing. In my experience, it's been a lot of white people who do that. Really? Like, yeah. Like letting your bathroom get kind of nasty. Really? Yeah. I do. So uh, th- those are, <laughs> why did you ask? Oh, because I was thinking that the whitest thing about me is the, I like the song Crocodile Rock. <laughs> Never even heard of it, bitch. Ellen John. Yeah, no. It's like the probably the whitest thing of other than my skin. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my skin's not as white as me liking that song. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the fact that I haven't heard about it, I'm like, okay, so maybe I don't have that many <laughs> white aspects about me. Um, I'm like positive that you've heard that song. I don't know. I've never even heard I'll of it. I'll play it for you. Okay. Oh. No. You've earned it. Yeah. That's the only part I know, I think. That makes sense. <laughs> it's not like... And then it turns into um the potential breakup song for Allie and AJ. <laughs> That's fair. Absolutely. And surely they sampled it. <laughs> they had to. Oh, my God. That's so funny. What are you drinking? I am drinking... We got Backlot Coffee today, and I am drinking... The oatmeal, oh no, oatmeal cookie latte, and it is so good. Why wouldn't you get me that? I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know. But here, taste it. Okay. It's really good. It's made with oat milk for the oat part. Because so I was like, whole milk's fine. And she's like, uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. I didn't put that together. Uh, It's good, right? It doesn't really taste like an oatmeal cookie. No. And you know what? That... It's so funny how the brain works. I literally have had that before and thought it doesn't taste like an oatmeal cookie. Right. It kind of tastes just like an oatmeal latte. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. 
Yeah, it has depth. Yeah. I think that probably the beans are just really good. Yeah. I would definitely suggest it to someone. Backlot Coffee, I don't know if they're just Chicago, but they have more than one location up here. Um, They're like maybe a Chicago chain. Mm-hmm. They're very good. This is like a, I don't know, like the, who goes to Backlot? Um, in, in my experience, uh, hipsters, whatever hipsters are now, mm. <laughs> that's who I saw in there this morning. A lot of beanies. Beanies. Beanies and big glasses. And tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> and also like Chicago dads. Every time I'm in there. <gasps> yeah. A lot of Chicago dads. Yes. There's like dads <laughs> over the age of 35. Yeah. Just chilling. Pro- probably closer to 40. Just, yeah. Just, just chilling in the back lot. Yeah. Um, great. We it love it. It was good. How's the chai? You got chai. It's actually really good. Okay. Um, I like what kind of what kind of milk do they use? Oat milk. Okay, cool. Um, because I was like, it tastes like probably more cinnamon cookie than yours does. <laughs> it's fucked up. I know. Sorry. One thing I got on Zoom. Um, <clears throat> today's episode is a local lore. We are going to be specifically in the state of Indiana. Why are we talking about Indiana, girl? Because if you didn't listen to the last episode, we are going to Potato Creek State Park. For the weekend of Halloween. I um, feel like this might actually come out after Halloween. Or after that episode. We've already been <laughs> to Potato Creek <laughs> State Park. Um, during the the episode that you never hit, the lost episode in which uh, I, I did Potato Creek State Park. It was probably our best episode too. I know, isn't that horrible? We recorded <laughs> twice. Um, I discovered that actually Indiana is so fucking haunted and spooky and scary, which checks out because every time I've driven through there, I'm like, this is unsettling. (laughs) Um, And then actually, the last time I drove through Indiana, uh, my apartment flooded when I got home. Mm, Yeah, it's brave of you guys to be uh, going (laughs) again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so our episode is about Indiana. Um, uh, Do you... Should I go first? No. No, no, no. I should go first. Okay. <laughs> I should definitely go first. Um, okay. So for the local lore for Indiana, I chose the Slippery Noodle Inn. Ooh. Yeah. And I utilized hauntedhouses.com for this one. I love that you found that. Incredible. Mm-hmm. We'll use it forever. So um, the Slippery Noodle Inn was built around 1850. It was not called the Slippery Noodle Inn back then. Um giving brothel it is giving brothel very good is it <laughs> yeah it's because it's a slippery noodle yeah it's pretty nasty <laughs> they don't sell noodles there ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> it was built. well that could be a um business plan i think you can get some udon and get your udon <laughs> stupid that might be the one, new whitest thing about me doesn't <laughs> Um, it was built by, it just says Germans, um, to be an upscale roadhouse and bar for railroad passengers. It was called the Tremont House. The Tiger Bar and music venue stage area are the oldest parts of the Slippery Noodle Inn, over a hundred years old. The brick building in the back of the property was originally built to be a stable for guests. During the time just before the Civil War, the main building was a way station for a different kind of railroad, an mm. underground railroad. It was one of the last stops before before Canada. Mm. 
1860, the bar's um, name was changed from the Tremont House to the Concordia House in honor of the first Lutheran immigrant ship. And around the turn of the century, it was called the Germania House, becoming a German club. During World War One, the name changed again by Louis Beck to Beck's Saloon to avoid scrutiny by authorities mm. and people who were hostile to Germans. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Before Prohibition, Walter Moore bought the property and called it Moore's Beer Tavern, producing his own beer in the basement of the tavern. Um, and during Prohibition, the name was changed to Moore's Restaurant, though his beer was still brewed and obviously it became a speakeasy. Obviously, we all knew that. <laughs> um, he was determined to serve his own beer, and um, so he instilled pipes to like pump up mm. his beer to the bar area. Businessman. Yeah, real thinker, real mover and shaker. <laughs> and so he added a slaughterhouse to the business to make it like a legitimate business to hide the, the speakeasy. It became a favorite hangout for both Brady and Dillager gangs, and he allowed them both to use the brick building and former stable as target practice. Mm. So you can go in there and see, like, bullet holes from those gangs in there still today. And as soon as Prohibition was repealed, he changed the name back to Moore's Beer Tavern. And he was like, I really liked that illegal gang shit. So he started prostitution up in the... Second level. Okay. Yeah. He well, was like, we're making money, baby. If the, if they liked it. If they didn't like it, I hope he dies. But For sure, for sure, for sure. You know, if, if they were cool with it, then I'm cool with it. But yeah. if they, like, felt trapped, then I, I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the bordello was open until 1953. And then it was immediately shut down after two men got into a fight over one of the girls and one of them was stabbed to death. And the guy who killed him left the bloody dagger on the bar. Whoa. Yeah. And so Moore was like, I'll, I'll fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> After him, in 1963, the Yeagley family bought it. And it became a family business. Um, and they just opened it as a lunch counter. And they named it the Slippery Noodle Inn. <laughs> what a stark turn. <laughs> Literally. They're like, we want families, I think. <laughs> I'm going to wait for you to read on because I'm like, is there still prostitution? You think there's still prostitution? No, they immediately turned the second floor rooms into storage and offices. Okay. <laughs> uh, creative on them to call it the slippery noodle. I know. They're like, it was naughty. We'll have it a little naughty. Yeah. <laughs> I like the nod to the fact that it was a brothel. Me too. So basically it just says that the original Yeagley man passed away and his son Hal took over um, and they just have continued to update it and make it a pleasant area for Indianians. Indianites? That feels wrong. That feels better. <laughs> okay, Indianites? Doesn't feel right. <laughs> it doesn't, it, only, only on technicality. I bet it's Indianians. I bet you it's Indianans. Oh, it's definitely Indianans. <laughs> Indianans, please. Indiana was getting you. <laughs> really and I'm pretty did. sure you're the one who went who Indiana on that one episode. <laughs> who Indianians? Um, so uh, from 1996 
to now, the Slippery Noodle Inn is best known for its blues scene. Mm. Um, they have a huge nod to the Blues Brothers, including... Um, Why? They're in Indiana. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if the people on the pod know that Chicago and Indiana have beef, but it's one-sided because, <laughs> because Indiana could never. <laughs> Well, because they have a big blues scene, they just have um, Blues Brothers competitions where, like, you know, people who... Do I know? Well, like, just, like... Uh, what impersonators? Yeah, I guess impersonators with or cover bands. I, what does it count if they're a movie, but they also sing? <laughs> Impersonating cover bands? That's drag. <laughs> Indiana loves drag. <laughs> They've got drag nights for blues. Um, <laughs> and the because of the big music and live, or because of the big live music scene, they've had a lot of famous people patron there, um, mm. including Harrison Ford, the Blues Brothers Band, Mickey Dolans, Billy Joel, Spike Lee, and Neil Diamond. Okay, white people. Not to mention, well, yeah. Yeah, just like... Dad bands, really. Mm. This is a dad band town, it sounds like. So now I'm just going to go into people that they see. (laughs) This site mentions a male entity that is thought to be like a caretaker, though nothing said anything about the caretaker. Um, But he's seen in the basement wearing a pair of coveralls. Okay. And they say that like he's been heard as well. And they hear a lot of whispering in the basement. There was actually a time where the basement flooded, and I think it was the Yeagley family that was owning it. And with the floodwaters, like, left, there was a huge depression in the floor. Mm. And so he got, like, a contractor to come out, and he was like, something's buried there. And so he was like, so we could dig it up and figure it out, or you can pave over it. And he was like, let's pave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they have found, but they did find like bone fragments and stuff in the basement. So they hear a lot of like whispers and stuff. Um, Who do you think was doing the killing? I mean, if the gangs were allowed to like just target practice in there, I don't think like that's the only thing they probably right. did in there. You're like, what else were they allowed to do? Yeah. And the Underground Railroad like stopped there. And I'm sure oh. there's plenty of like trauma with that as well. And a brothel. Like, I'm sure a lot of people yeah, are you're right. down there. You're right. Um, so it's not necessarily like when it's points of energy like this where it's one spot where a lot of shit has gone down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's different than something just being haunted right like there's like history just like living in there yeah and so yeah and like people have been murdered there so there's a little bit of like the haunted thing you're right but i think there is a lot of like energy there um the second floor is also very active people feel cold spots they're touched and they can hear like female voices um there is a male cowboy entity because I feel like there's always kind of a male cowboy mm. entity. <clears throat> is my microphone sounding weird to you? I felt like I heard echo a minute ago. Yeah, me too. It was weird. I I think it's okay now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, they say that it could be the man that was killed in the knife fight, but he's been seen on the second floor, the mm. cowboy. And then they see a woman 
occasionally um, on the second floor, both on the second floor or you can see her from the first floor, like outside. So now I'm going to do a couple of the stories I found. Real life ghost rules. You can't stay there anymore because I guess they were made into offices. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's no longer an inn. Wine bottles in the <clears throat> basement have been found like open, um, both both in the basement and in certain rooms on the second floor. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying it can't be a ghost, but I'm also not saying it could be just like it could be someone with a problem. Yeah, <laughs> someone could be like having a hard time. <laughs> um, but one employee did talk about how she had to go upstairs for something, and all the employees say like the second floor is pretty creepy mm. and so she walked past a room that the door was closed and to like go to a door at the very end of the hallway and when she was walking back the door was open mm. um and then she came she had to go back up and a lady walked out of the room and just stared at her and she had black pit eyes and the girl just like Went back downstairs and said, I'm never going up there again. You. <laughs> Me. I wouldn't have gone back up after the door thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one. There was a wedding held there because it also is a, um like, event spot. Okay. And the limo driver was sitting there waiting for um whatever to take them wherever. And he asked... I think, like, either the bride or groom or someone, like, if they had hired an extra photographer because while he was sitting there waiting for them, he saw, like, a woman on the second floor balcony, like, looking down and staring at them. The women from the brothel are have a huge presence here. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes so sense. So then I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. Because it definitely not sounding like they yeah. loved their life. There was a little girl at a party that was being held there came crying to her parents and saying that the man in the corner scared her. Um, but the adults never saw anyone (laughs) and employees also report hearing a lot of footsteps and seeing things that were, like I said, all closed up for the night, like opening back up and stuff like that. One guy was closing and he had turned off all the lights and locked a bunch of like the outer doors, um, into different rooms that they just lock up he's got the worst job yeah and he said that when he went back outside he could see from the outside that all the rooms that he had locked from that other side of the door all those lights were back on no (laughs) ma'am that's okay 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 that's spooky that is spooky fuck i don't there's because that's truly unexplainable for sure because like would you you get married in a haunted place oh because this is an event venue i think so that could be cool I would because having gotten married, you're not really like alone on the day ever. Like I yeah, never I had one moment. So well, you, yeah, I mean, I will say your day was jam fucking packed. It was jam fucking. I mean, that's how weddings go. Though. Yes, I know. And we had a five o'clock. People have morning weddings. I'm like, when do you get up? Midnight. <laughs> yeah, probably. So um, yeah. I think I would get married at a haunted venue. That's probably the only thing I would do. Because, like, even when I went to the bathroom, I had someone helping me, you know? You had the girl. You're going to piss on your dress. (laughs) But anytime, like, any of, like, a birthday party, probably not. I would. I I would have, like, I'd be alone at some point, and I'd be like, I don't want the ghost to get me. 
I th- like you had an October wedding, and you kind of played. You definitely played into that with like happily ever after, and there were the, like little pumpkins. I remember. Yeah, it was cute. Little that white was ones, my mom. Right? Yeah, cute. I love that. Um, and like it was the outside was very visible. We had to be indoors, unfortunately, because of the rain. Yeah, and the weather. It was freezing. You know what? I think it worked out better though. I think it was really pretty in that place. And I liked the background and like the water flowing and the yeah. colors and stuff. Um. But I did think I'm like, damn, people who have Halloween weddings, it'd be kind of fun to Girl. get married in like a haunted. So we actually, the next set, like we took that Saturday, mm-hmm. Friday, the next one was Halloween. Yeah. We were going to do Halloween, but it happened to be like on our, uh, but it happened to be on our anniversary, which was cool. And it also happened to be, or I didn't want, I had a lot of cousins with kids and kids weren't invited to the wedding. And you want them to have Halloween. Yeah. That's smart. That's good thinking. So. I thought your anniversary anniversary was on the 16th. It is. Like you're. Like that's when both we decided to. Yeah. When we started okay. to date. That's why we chose it. It was like, yeah. okay, that's kind of perfect. I would have loved a Halloween wedding though. I would have absolutely. Know. And like people would. You know me. Halloween's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I make my birthday Halloween. You know me, she says to the co-host of her ghost pod. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> I love a ghost Best friend of ten years. <laughs> you know me. I'm a good. I'm a. I'm a love of Halloween. What is happening? I oh actually don't know, and it's freaking me out. You want to know why? Why? Because something happened last night. Shut up. While I was on, uh, like Facetime with Muddy Ed. Tell me. You don't want to know. I do want to know. Look at the. Ho- we're in. Mm, we're we're at my place today. <laughs> we're at my place. <laughs> and. Uh, it is spooky. Mm-hmm. We're on the upstairs, which is where, if you remember, um, there were footsteps on the stairs. And no, I wonder if we'll hear them today. What is that? What is what? I heard static in my headphones. That's why I'm like, maybe we shouldn't. No, I want to know. The room across from us is Matilda's um, old like childhood bedroom. And there was... You, you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, but last night, I was FaceTiming Matiel, and um, I'm so glad they were there to witness this. I bent down to pick up. I was in the kitchen. I was making food. I bent down to pick up the cat and, like, bring her to the camera to show Matiel because I had, like, the phone set. And a cabinet door swung open. And hit me so hard in the head. my Shut I'm getting scary up. tears. We both, I set the cat down. I got up and I was like, what the fuck just happened? And Maria's <laughs> mouth was wide open. Like jaw dropped. We were like just for, I would say probably 10 whole seconds of silence just staring at each other. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Right now. Yeah. What did you do? Did you stay down there? I, yeah, I lived down there. <laughs> I closed the cabinet and then I was like. Oh, my stomach. Okay. I thought it was footsteps, girl. <laughs> no. I got you oat milk. <laughs> it was a coffee. Um, I I closed the cabinet door and I was like, let me not even let me not even acknowledge this shit. Yeah. I was like, I probably left that open. I said out loud to the room. I'm like, I probably left that open. And Mario was like <laughs> And I was like Anyway, I'm going to go back to cooking in my home. <laughs> and then that was it. And so then I was like, 
last night I slept with the light on because I got spooked. Smart. That was spooky. That's spooky. That was downstairs, too. Yuck. The last thing I'm going to say is that the current, like, manager there says Mm. that everywhere she goes, it feels wrong. She's like, it just feels wrong in here. And so when she's alone there, she talks out loud and very us is like, it's just me. I'm just doing some paperwork. Whether you're here or not, we're good. (laughs) You do you. I'll do me. (laughs) We are fine. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that is the story of the Slippery Noodle Inn. Love the name. Where is it again? It's in Indiana. We're in Indiana. <laughs> it's in Indiana. Indianapolis. Okay, it's in Indianapolis. Yeah. So head on over there. I don't know what um what kind of food. Not noodles, but uh probably just normal American food. Sandwiches and soup, I'm assuming. If we're pot roast. I was about to say if we're ever in Indiana. We're literally gonna be. I know. We could get lunch there. Oh, we could. Okay. <gasps> we could. We're in Indianapolis. It is um like an hour and a half into Indiana. Well, if it's we pass like, it, we should do we it. We probably do. Um, anyway. So yeah. Um, and they've got like really cool live, like they're known for live music. So go, go. Sick. It says booze, blues, and bullet holes. Whoa, <laughs> that's a very Chicago thing to do. Literally, they're trying, but they can never be. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying, and I see you, but also stop. Did I ever tell you? I didn't. This happened, so my dad's anniversary, like the anniversary, mm-hmm. anniversary of his death was Wednesday. I, look, looking at Michelle's post, I almost cried. Yeah. That was, that made me so, I can't even think about it actually because I was all crying. The day um, felt a lot like the day he died too because we were at, um, we were at her volleyball, comp- volleyball competition and mm-hmm. it was like very sunny and warm but still like cold. It was just mm-hmm. like, was very reminiscent. Um I forget who I was talking about it recently with. I think it was Maggie. Because uh, they were both playing volleyball mm-hmm. that day. And uh, I was oh. like, can I tell you something? I was like, I thought Michelle got hit by a bus. When my mom got that phone call and started crying, I was like, she got hit by a bus. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You went right to, it's Michelle? I literally thought Michelle got hit by a bus. I don't even think, I didn't think she was dead. I thought she was like in the hospital because she got hit by a bus. Why Michelle? I think we were walking to the car after the long competition and I saw the row of buses and, and I you just were like, like surely <laughs> someone's I was like someone's getting hit by that bus. Mm. And so then my mom got that call and I was like, oh my God, it happened. <laughs> no, but, just your dad. Just my dad. Dead. Dead on the floor. Um <laughs> at his job? Yeah. That okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I went to the cemetery and I was just chilling, talking to him. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there just talking, chatting, what you do what I do at his cemetery and um like a ladybug landed on me hmm. and i was like i flicked it off i was like oh my god if that was you i'm so sorry i was <laughs> like i just don't love bugs on me but like i'm sorry I was like that could be cute you could be a ladybug like you can land on me and then like i was talking some more and a spider landed on me and i was like ew i was like do not do spiders i was like <laughs> he was like oh you didn't like that one <laughs> yeah i was like you can come back as a bug you can come back as a ladybug but please do not do spiders Later on, a huge spider landed on this leg. <gasps> a huge—I will girl. I've never even seen a spider like this. And I flicked. I was like, "Okay." I was like, "Seriously? Do not do spiders." <laughs> I can't handle spiders. <laughs> I was like, "Do a ladybug. That is fine." He's like, "No, I know you got a ghost pod." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, no. girl. So I left. What's I your left dad's name? Mike. Mike was over here <laughs> testing you, bitch. Girl, 
So after I go to the cemetery, mm-hmm. I like went to Target. Mm-hmm. I went somewhere else to like return something. I'm at home. I'm making some food. And I had a shirt that had like a tie on it. And the tie like came over here. There was a spider in the tie. And it was still alive. But it was like stuck in there. Because like the wind kept falling. And I was mm. like, bugs are falling on me. I know it. And Ooh. I was like, that is it. Yeah. I was like, no more. And I was like, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. No more bugs. Like, it's not funny. And I was like, and then just in case, because like spiders are not cute and friendly and whatever. Mm-hmm. I was just like, nothing is allowed in this home except love and light in me. Oh, <laughs> you got scared that I something did. else got. I feel like he, I mean, you can even tell just from the pictures you guys are posting that he's For like sure. this big like jokester. No, a hundred percent he would do shit like that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, just in case. Nothing is allowed in here except for me. <laughs> you know, he was like, oh, I know. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> but I was like, uh-uh, we're not playing with spiders. I'm not going to have spiders be falling on me all the time. Yeah. So that was a little spooky well, thing. It might not be spooky. It might just be that I was under a tree on a windy day, but I did not like it. <laughs> Pick a different bug, sir. Please. Literally any, any other bug. Hi, sir. Nice to meet you. Maybe like moths. I don't love moths. Okay. Butterflies? It's it's cold, so I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't honestly need bugs as a sign. <laughs> <laughs> That's so real. <laughs> so, like, not bugs. Not bugs. Honestly, Maybe you're like good. Fruit. We love fruit. Okay. A banana. Oh, man. No? <laughs> <laughs> How often are you going to see a fucking banana? I don't know. I buy them weekly, so pretty often. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, that was it. But a little light light humor for your day so it's gonna get real dark um it's just trying to prolong it <laughs> trying to prevent it i uh researched did you do this last night mm-hmm. you think that's why your fucking cabinet opened uh i did it it was after that <laughs> you were like i'll show you <laughs> i mean i wasn't i was just researching i wasn't like saying anything out loud i think i I wouldn't be able to, like, listen to someone talk about this out loud. For sure. So you're just going to speak it out loud. And yeah, then yeah. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. Um, <laughs> Shut down until someone's home. <laughs> thank you. So my uh, local lore is called the Demon House, um, also known as the Amon's Haunting Case. And if you're from Indiana, you definitely know about it. Um, but if you're not, this is one of the most documented demonic experiences on record. Are you crazy? I know. <laughs> fucking well, I'm glad we're not in my house today. And today. Well, you're gonna be editing this in your house. I'm going to a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are so many witnesses. It the the timeline of this was so crazy. Um, and so intense. Like, I literally have three pages of notes, and I'm still going to read it off of a thing. Um, it's very, very, very well documented. That there, It's so well documented that there are 800 separate pages of police reports, um, d- Department of Child Service reports, um, all kinds of shit. Like, Damn. 800 pages of, of reports on this place. Ugh, I got chills already. Um, it is in Gary, Indiana. Yeah, fucking Gary. Fucking Gary. It's so close. That's so close. Right over the border. Um, I believe this house was even featured on Ghost Adventures at one point, and I, it 
was likely featured because I kept saying things that Zach Baggins bought it. Oh, what? So mm-hmm. it's really haunted. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like a good ghost hunter, but he loves spooky shit. Yeah. <laughs> I do think he's a good ghost collector. I Oh, that's a good... Ghost collector is a good like name for a movie or something. <laughs> um, so what's disgusting is that this happened fairly recently. No, really? Yes. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. A woman and three children who claim to be possessed by demons. A nine-year-old boy walking backward up a wall in the presence of a family case manager and hospital nurse. Um, Gary Police Captain Charles Austin said it was the strangest story he ever heard. Austin, a 36-year veteran of the Gary Police Department, said he initially thought the Indianapolis resident Latoya Ammons and her family concocted an elaborate tale as a way to make money. But after several visits to their home and interviews with witnesses, Austin said simply, I am a believer. Not everyone involved with the family was inclined to believe this story, and many readers will find Ammon's supernatural claims impossible to accept. So that is an overarching theme of this is, do you believe her? When Um, was this again? 2011. Damn, way too Mm -hmm. close. Oh, there's a police siren. Oh, my God. With these headphones distort sound, so I was like, what the fuck is that? Um. Whatever the cause of the creepy occurrences that befell the family, whether they were seized by systematic delusion or demonic possession, it led to one of the most unusual cases ever handled by the Department of Child Services. Many of the events are detailed in nearly 800 pages, so as I just said, of official records. Um, and this is all, everything that I'm getting is from the Indianapolis Star. Okay. Ammons, who swears by her story, has been unusually open. While she spoke on the condition her children... Not well, While she spoke on condition her children not be interviewed or named, she signed releases letting the star review medical, psychological, and official records that are not open to the public and not always flattering. Damn. Furthermore, the family story is made only more bizarre because it involves a Department of Child Services or DCS intervention, a string of psychological evaluations, and ultimately a series of exorcisms. It's a tale, they say, that started with flies. In November of 2011, Ammon's family moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary. Quiet lane lined with small one-story homes. Big black flies suddenly swarmed their screened-in porch in December, despite the winter chill. This is not normal, Ammon's mother, Rosa Campbell, remembers thinking. We killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. Dude, you moved in in November, and December there are swarms of black flies. Yeah, that's like one of the earliest signs. That would send me over the edge immediately. Oh, God. <laughs> After midnight, Campbell and Ammons both said that they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing up the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and kitchen. Ew. No one was there. This is your house. Even after they locked the door, the noise continued. Campbell said she awoke one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing in her living room. Mm -mm. She leapt out of bed to investigate and found large, wet boot prints. (gasps) On March 10th of 2012, Campbell said the family's unease turned into fear. It was about 2 a.m. Normally, Campbell, Ammons, and her children would have been asleep, but they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends. Ammons, who was in Campbell's bedroom, startled everyone by screaming, Mama, Mama! 
Campbell said she ran into her bedroom where her then 12-year-old granddaughter and a friend were staying. Ammons and Campbell said the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed unconscious. What? According to, an, according to their account of events, Ammons and several others surrounded the girl praying. Campbell, remem- Campbell said she remembers being terrified. I thought, what's going on? Why is this happening? Eventually, her granddaughter descended onto the bed. The girl woke up with no memory of what happened. Campbell and Ammon said that the people who were visiting that night refused to ever return. Yeah, same girl. <laughs> I was about to be like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so weird. They never wanted to come back into the house ever again. Campbell says she remembers telling her daughter, we need help. We need to talk to someone with those who knows how to deal with it. Campbell and Ammon said that they didn't know what, exactly what it was, but they believed it was something supernatural. That reminds me of when I was talking about the basement and I, whenever you were like, what did you guys say? Did you say like demon? I, and I would always go like, no, we would always say like whatever's in the basement. Right. They called local churches, but most refused to listen. Eventually, after listening to Campbell and Ammons talk about the house and visiting it, officials at one church told them that the Carolina Street House had spirits in it. They recommended the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia and then use oil to draw crosses on every door and window. At the church's suggestion, Ammon said she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet and smeared oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads. Campbell and Ammons also told the Star that they reached out to two clairvoyants who said the family's home was besieged by more than 200 demons. What? Yes. So Wait, how'd they get that information? So here comes like um, where you'll start to hear, I don't know if they say it in this article, but commonly people in the area or people who know about this just call it a portal and people were just like we can't help you we can't we don't know they refused to help damn their explanation made sense to campbell and ammons they say because it meshed with their christian faith so here it is so this is where the do you believe her Mm -hmm. comes in i mean uh, let me just keep reading (laughs) the best thing you can do is move ammons remembers the clairvoyance telling her but, the, but moving wasn't an option for the cash-strapped family. That's what I, I always think that, too. Like, how come everybody's always like, you have to just leave? Sometimes you don't have the fucking money to leave. If you, I'm leaving. I'll sleep in my car. That Oh, true. That's, you, you would, like, rather sleep in your car than be. Yeah, I'd rather, yeah. like, be. That's not everybody. No, I, and, like, having all those kids, like, right. I could see that. But, like, Three kids. for me, I would, I would wander the streets in my car. <laughs> But that's true. Like, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that or mm-hmm. I'd be fortunate enough to, like, get a new house at, or live with my mom or so. You know what I mean? And, like, she's coming from an extremely religious background as it is. Yeah. I'll say off jump and you guys don't have to base your opinion on mine, but I feel like there's a combination of things happening. One of them being that she is so eccentric and kind of weird that that's why it's hard to believe her. Oh, really? Yes, but... All of her stories have witnesses, dude. Yeah. Like, so you're saying she's like enthralled in the church. So it's like. Yeah. It's a little hokey pokey. Yeah. Or it sounds like it sometimes. Yes. All right. And I also think that that's not fair because not everybody has the same background. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, anyway. Instead of moving, Ammons said that she took to the clairvoyant's advice and made an altar in the basement. Ammons covered an end table with a white sheet and then placed a white candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. 
She opened a Bible to Psalm 91. She said she and another person donned white t-shirts and wound white scarves around their heads. So do you see what I'm saying? Right. Like, I don't know that this is something that you are equipped to handle. Also on a clairvoyance advice, they burned sage throughout the house, starting upstairs and working their way down. The smoke was so thick they could hardly breathe. Psalm 91 is this, by the way. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Oh my God. Ammon said nothing happened for three days, and then it got significantly worse. <laughs> so three days of peace, and then the three, the number three. Oh, spooky. I don't like this story. The family said demons possess Ammons and her children. What? That's such a fucking jump. Then ages 7, 9, and 12, the kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles crossed their face, and their voices deepened every time it happened. Campbell said the demons didn't affect her because she was, um, basically that she had been so long in the church or whatever. But I mm -hmm. feel like it's giving my grandma, who was like, no, it's fine. Like, I just ignore it. So... Ammons is the daughter, is like the woman, and yeah. then Campbell's her mom? Yeah. Okay. Ammons said she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm when she was possessed. Her body shook, and she said she felt out of control. You can tell it's different, something supernatural. The youngest boy, then seven, sat in a closet talking to a boy that no one else could see. You don't hate that? The other boy, was the other boy her son, was describing what it felt like to be killed. Ew. Uh, oh, my God. Campbell said that the seven-year-old once flew out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown, and a headboard once smacked into Ammon's daughter, causing a wound that needed stitches. The 12-year-old would later tell the mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she were being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice say she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. Okay. I hate this. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to say... That's another reason. Like, it's better to have your kids living out of a car, I think, than have them, like, fighting for their lives every single day. I think that – I agree with you. But I think that a lot of people are, like – and, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but if you think that your faith is strong enough, right? you, you being – you don't – sometimes people think that they're being weak with the Lord. Right. Like, I I have so much faith in you that I, I'm going to stay here. Like, that's where this gets hokey pokey for me because it's like, you are so, so religious and so firm in this, like, staunch Christian belief that you're at this point endangering your kids. Right. You know? And... And then she do, she does that weird shit with, like, wrapping the scarf around her head. I'm like, what is going on? So I think that she's fucking weird right. and all this shit's happening. And then it's, like, hard to believe you. Right. And she's, like, playing with it, you know, because I mm. feel like she doesn't have she doesn't have the right tools to fight 200 demons out of her house, you right. know. And so instead, she's just like fucking. She's Zach Bagginsing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, literally. Okay. Some nights were so bad that the family slept at a hotel. Finally, in desperation, they went to their family physician, Doctor Jeffrey Onyewuku. Onye, let me pronounce this correctly. Onye, Onyewuku. 
Finally, in desperation, they went to their family physician, Dr. Jeffrey Onye. I did it again. <laughs> Dr. Jeffrey Onye Ukwu on April 19th in 2012. 2012 was a bad year for them. <laughs> Ammon said that she told them that she told him what they were going through, hoping he might understand. The doctor told the star it was bizarre. 20 years and I've never heard anything like that in my life, he said. I was scared myself when I walked into that room. Their physician. He said he would not speak in more detail unless Ammon's had psychiatric clearance for the waiver of confidentiality she had signed. In his medical notes about the visit, the doctor wrote delusions of ghosts in home and hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghosts at home and delusional. What Ammons and Campbell say happened next was detailed in a DCS report of family case managers' interviews with medical staff. Oh, my God. I'm, like, cold. Chaos erupted. Campbell and Ammons' sons cursed the doctor in demonic voices, raging at him. What? Medical staff said the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. I'm getting scary tears. They're, the doctor like, went is, to their home. This is the grandma. The doctor, like, went to the home? Mm-hmm. House call? Okay. I think. I don't think they're at the hospital. It doesn't really say. Yeah. The boys abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to, Campbell added. She cradled one boy in her arms. Ammons held the other. Someone from the doctor's office called 911. Oh. So they're at the doctor's office? And they're calling cops. But, like, that means the, the demons are, like, with them now. Yeah. Um... Well, 200 of them, some of them are going to get attached. Yeah, they literally had... Matt and I were talking about this. You have, like, one... You have one free day, right? You've got one day Mm. when you move into a house that's, like, fucked up like that. You have one free day where no matter what, you can leave. Mm. And the ghost to the demon, whatever, is like, chill. This is my place. Get out. After that... It all depends on the temperament of the spirit or the yeah, thing. Like it, totally. It could be the second day in your house and you can't leave anymore. Or it could be like a month later and then they're like, okay, now I'm going to like attach myself to you. But like you've got that one day mm-hmm. where they're in your dreams, where they open your door, where they push you down. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, you know what? Thank you. And Goodbye. it's yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I think like... I definitely feel that. And I would add that you also have one time, not even a whole day, you have one instance in which maybe you have felt totally normal, Not if you haven't even considered that there could be a ghost in your house, and some weird shit happens. Look at this fucking squirrel right here. Torments my cat. <laughs> Ew. He's no, huge. He looks like a human trapped in a squirrel body. Maybe he is. <laughs> um, squirrelio. When the day some weird shit happens, you have to acknowledge it that one time. Yeah. And go, actually, no, you don't fucking live here. Right. Like, I live here. I've right. been here. I'm not going to do this. Because if you start, I, I think that the mistakes that I've made in where I've lived is just being like, mm, that was weird. And like not acknowledging it off jump. The first time I'm fucking acknowledging this, I'm asserting myself over you, and then I'm not going to acknowledge it anymore. Right. Um, 
So that's my advice to the people of the pod. <laughs> as a consistently living, as someone who's consistently living in haunted homes. <laughs> what did we, I leave off? Okay, so the boys abruptly passed out and the wouldn't come to. Someone from the doctor's office called 911. Their physician said seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Everybody was, they couldn't figure out exactly what was happening, he recalled. Police and emergency personnel took the boys to Methodist Hospital's campus in Gary. Ammon said personnel laughed at her, desired to anoint her sons in olive oil. I couldn't talk to them, she said, so I talked to God. The boys woke up in the hospital. The older boy, then nine, acted rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed. Campbell said it took five men to hold him down. Meanwhile, someone called DCS and asked the agency to investigate Ammons for possible child abuse or neglect. Mm -hmm. The caller, who was not named in the DCS report, speculated that Ammons might have mental illness. The person believed the children were performing for Ammons. She was encouraging their behavior. DCS family case manager Valerie Washington was asked to handle the initial investigation. She gave the following account to police in her intake report. Hospital personnel examined Ammons and her children and found them to be healthy and free of bruises or marks. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated Ammons and determined she was of sound mind. Okay. That's okay. That's it. That's right. the receipt for me. Washington interviewed the family in the hospital. She spoke with Ammons. The seven-year-old boy started to growl, his teeth showing. His eyes rolled back in his head. The boy locked his hands with his older brother. The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adult pried his hands off of him. Later that evening, Washington and registered nurse Willie Lee Walker brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you. The youngest boy spoke. The older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. Campbell grabbed her grandson's hands and started praying. What happened next would rattle the witnesses. Oh, scared. Me too. And to s some of it would offer not only evidence, but proof of paranormal activity. What? <laughs> According to Washington's original DCS report, the, an account corroborated by Walker, the nurse, the nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. He then flipped over Campbell, landing on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand. He walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there, Walker told the star. There's no way he could have done that. Later, police asked Washington whether the boy had to run up the wall as though performing an acrobatic trick. I'm sobbing. <laughs> no, Washington told them. She said the boy glided backward across the floor, the wall, and the ceiling, according to the police report. Okay. 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 <laughs> and I saw the picture oh my God. of the grandma, and she doesn't look like someone that's, like, going to be holding up the grandson, you know, like. Cause no, she's not. She's, she's clearly, like, an old lady. Right. Because, like, I feel like that's the only potential thing that could have happened, like, if it weren't real, that she could, like. You know, if he happened to be really great at acrobatics. I'm like, I can't even, like, get it out. He 
great at acrobatics. He walked backwards up the wall. He didn't even walk. No, he, the gliding he, thing, that's hard. Because I'm thinking, like, the only thing that could have happened that wasn't paranormal is that, like, the grandma could be, like, holding his weight, you know? And he's, like, pushing into it and walking. Because she said they never let go of their hands, you know? Right. And so, like, that's the only thing. But she describes it as, like, gliding and stuff. Like, I've tried to, like, do little acrobatic moves with my nieces. Like, they're they're small. And yeah. it's not smooth. <laughs> it's also not easy to hold someone against the wall. Right. Without, like, someone being like, you're definitely yeah. holding that kid up. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it said that. First of all, this report this is corroborated. Like people have these are medical professionals. Being watched like, him something fucking happened in there. <laughs> watched him glide ac- backwards across the ground, up the wall, onto the ceiling. How come I've never heard of? Like, how come this isn't bigger news? I they're hiding it from us. I literally, when I I can't deal because. The first time I read that, I didn't read it in an article that was this uh, detailed. I read yeah. it in another article that was like, ma- many accounts say that they watched him walk backwards up the wall. Right. And it wasn't like, no, girl. <laughs> no, he floated up the wall. He floated up the wall the, the whole time. He's Now that makes me feel like she wasn't holding him. He was gripping her and like walking across. Anyway. And remember, he's still like feral right now. Like he's still having that like attack or whatever he's having. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I said was, no, Washington told them. She said the boy glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling. Ugh. Washington did not respond to the star's request for comment. But she told police that she was scared when it happened and ran out of the room. As for Walker, Washington said, he ran out of the room with me. (laughs) We didn't know what was going on, Walker told the star. That was crazy. I was like, everybody got to (laughs) go. According to the Washington, according to Washington's report, they told the doctor what happened. The doctor, who did not believe them, asked the boy to walk up the wall again. Walker said he told the doctor he doubted the boy could repeat it. This kid was not himself when he did that, Walker said. <gasps> the boy said he didn't remember what happened and couldn't do it, according to Washington's report. Walker, who said he previously believed in demons and spirits, thought the boy's behavior had some demonic spirit to it, but also was the result of mental illness. See, it's going. Everybody yeah. is like, everyone's I can't like, tell. Well, it can't be. Yeah, it can't just be. Yeah. <laughs> A police report quoted Washington saying she believed there could be an evil influence affecting the family. Ew, and, I'm just thinking he's got like the crazy grin on his face. His eyes rolled back, and, and his teeth were out, and he was growling. And he's just like smiling while he walks, while he floats up the wall. I was like burned in my brain and I want it out. <laughs> Seriously though, like if you all of a sudden like floated up the wall and did a little jig on the ceiling, like I too would have been like, she, obviously she's mentally ill because I definitely <laughs> didn't just see that. <laughs> yeah, like you're, I, the, the layers to this is so complicated. It's like, do I believe her? And here are the reasons I don't, which are legit reasons right. to not believe her. And then you get 800 pages of people being like, I don't know if I believe her, but also I did watch that little boy walk up the wall. (laughs) And he didn't even walk. He literally like slid up the wall. Yeah. So he was just getting like 
drawn backwards and then up the... Okay. <laughs> Ammon said she spent the night at the hospital with her seven-year-old while Campbell took Ammon's daughter and older son to a relative's home. I wouldn't want that kid in my house. The next day was Ammon's youngest son's eighth birthday. Ammon said DC, DCS officials asked Campbell to bring the older children back to the hospital, presumably to talk about what happened. The family celebrated the boy's birthday with singing and eating a miniature cake. Then Ammon said Washington told them children wouldn't be going home. DCS took the emergency step of ordering custody of the children without a court order. Damn. All of the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress, Washington wrote in the DCS form. Ammons told the star that she and her children cried because they didn't want to be separated. We'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives, she recalled. It was obvious we were a team and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. Are you beating it? I know. (laughs) We made it through together as a team. They separated us. Do you want to see the house? Mm -mm. Okay. It is. What? I didn't look at this initially. Yeah. I'm I'm crying. I don't want to see it. It's just a photo of the house and then... I was like, is that somebody in the window? Sure as shit, the caption says that a figure appears to show itself in the window at the right. <sighs> this photo was taken by the police. Shut the fuck up. That's so I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing. I'm not even looking at the picture. I won't even look at your phone from the angle it's at right now. <laughs> no, I'm sobbing thinking about this. Like, there. Okay, so there's ghosts. I'm team, there are ghosts, and she's crazy. All of a sudden, you're you're like, no, I'm convinced. Because, you did. hello? You were like, is that someone in the window? Yeah. <laughs> Before you even read it. Oh, my God, that's horrifying. It, it is someone in the window. Yeah. You, yeah. The fact that it's a police photo, that's enough for me. You it's know what so I mean? It's so fucking weird because it's not a scary picture. But I know what went on in that house. For sure. Like, it's just the fucking, it's just a suburban house. I know you, like, are fighting every, every fiber of your being not to flip your phone towards me. You wouldn't be able to see it. You'd have to zoom in. Okay, great. Yeah. Let me turn it down, actually, just in case. Because <laughs> I don't want you to be like, I don't want to see it. Um, the Reverend Michael Magno was leading Bible study in his living room the morning of April 12th. It's only April. 2012. He received a call from the hospital chaplain. Magno had been the priest at St. Stephen Martyr Parish in Maryville for more than 10 years, but had never received a request like this one. The chaplain asked him to perform an exorcism on Ammon's nine-year-old son. Damn. Magno agreed to the interview of the family after Sunday mass. The chaplain at the hospital. So, like, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but it does seem... It just seems like more is going on because, like, professionals, you know, like, the chaplain mm-hmm. at the hospital has to, like, talk to the hospital. Like, he can't just, like, be on a crusade on his own. You right. know what I mean? And so, like, it does seem like people are like, well, I mean, like, it can hurt. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, realistically, when people are very religious, I, too, like, extremely religious. Like, putting white, white like, bandanas around their head and mm. oiling things and saying prayers thinking they are doing something like yeah I tend to be like well you might be mm-hmm. a little off you know but like they're doing what they know but also just like I feel like it just happens to be like a very religious person stuck in a very unbelievable situation because anyone who's like 
there's 200 demons in my home, like anyone's going to sound crazy. Anyone who's something's happening where you can't medically or scientifically prove it immediately, you're Mm going to be like, you're crazy. Like you're obviously mentally ill because that's the only explanation. That's our only comfortable explanation without having an explanation. We're like, well, obviously you're just crazy. You know? Of course. So I think that they're looking for reason in a reasonless world. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Magno agreed to interview the family after Sunday mass a few days later. The first step, Magno said, was ruling out natural causes for what Ammons and her family said they were experiencing. He visited Ammons and Campbell in the Carolina Street home on April 22nd. For two hours, Ammons and, the Cam- and Campbell detailed phenomena for him. Then Campbell interrupted the interview to point out the flickering light in the bathroom. Oh, my God. Wait. He went in their home. Are they all back together? They're not separated anymore? No. It's Ammons and Campbell right now. Oh, the kids are still gone. Yeah. <gasps> the flickering stopped each time Magno walked over to investigate, which he attributed to a demonic presence. He was like, yep, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> It must be scared of me, he later told the star. The interview was interrupted again when (gasps) Campbell pointed out Venetian blinds swinging in the kitchen, even though there's no current. I'm so cold. (laughs) Magno also said he saw wet footprints throughout the living room. Ew. Ammons complained about having a headache. Magno said that when he placed a crucifix to her head, she began convulsing uncontrollably. After a four-hour interview, Magno said he was convinced that the family was being tormented by demons. He also said he believed there were ghosts in the house. Damn, double whammy. (laughs) Double homicide. Double homicide. (laughs) Magno blessed the house before he left, praying, reading from the Bible, and sprinkling holy water in each room. He told Ammons and Campbell to leave because it wasn't safe. They temporarily moved in with a relative. Less than a week later, the two women were back on Carolina Street, to let Washington, the DCS family case manager, check the condition of the home. Washington asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Two other officers, one each from Gary and Hammond police departments, asked to join them out of professional curiosity. (laughs) Yeah, see this shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm fucking going. Yeah. (laughs) Ammons refused to go inside, but Campbell agreed to accompany the group. Ammons' kids were still in DCS custody. The main floor had three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and an open-style kitchen. A door in the kitchen led to the basement with concrete floors. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor. The concrete around it was jagged, although it had been, though as though it had been broken. The makeshift altar Ammons created was still in place, along with rings of salt she had poured against the basement walls to dissuade the demons. Campbell told officers that the demon seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. Literally my old home. Ew. Austin, the Gary police captain, was one of those officers. He later told the star he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but said he didn't believe in demons. Austin said he changed his mind after visiting the Carolina Street house. Talking to the mic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> During the interview with Campbell, one of the officer's audio rec- recorders malfunctioned. According to Austin and Hammond police records, the power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though the officer had put fresh batteries that day. Another officer recorded audio, and when he played it back, he heard an unknown voice whisper, Hey. Ew. 
according to the Lake County Police records. That officer also took photos of the house. In one photo of the basement stairs, there's a cloudy white image in the upper right-hand corner. When an officer enlarged a photo, that cloud appeared to resemble a face. The enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Vomit. Austin said photos he snapped with his iPhone also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them. The radio his police issued Ford the radio in his police issued Ford malfunctioned on the way home. Oh man, they attached to him too. Later, Austin said the garage at his Gary home would not open. Fuck, you know what? You got too curious. You fucked around. Now you found out. (laughs) Even though the power was on everywhere else. Austin said the driver's seat in his personal 2005 Infinity also started moving backward and forward on its own. He said the car was checked at a dealership and the mechanic told him that the motor on the driver's seat was broken, which the mechanic said could have caused a distraction leading to an accident. Austin said he found himself starting to believe Ammon's claims of paranormal activity. But the mental health professionals evaluating Ammons and her children remain skeptical. Damn. The minute I get in my car and the fucking passenger seat is moving backward and forward. Yeah. I'm I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Also, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm actually quitting and I'm leaving the state. <laughs> Again, in April 2012, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary wardship of the three children. And the request was granted. Damn. Well, they're in Indiana. Yeah. DCS found that Ammons neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly. The agency made the same finding in 2009. Ammons told Washington that there were times she couldn't send the kids to school because the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep. The DCS temporarily placed her daughter and older son at St. Joseph's home in East Chicago. The Ammons' youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for psychiatric evaluation. Clinical psychologist Stacy Wright, who evaluated Ammon's youngest son, said the boy tended to act possessed um, when he was challenged or redirected. Mm. In her evaluation, Wright wrote that he seemed coherent and logical, except when he spoke about the demons. It was then that the eight-year-old stories became bizarre, Wright said. He changed the subject, quizzing Wright on math problems and asking her about outer space. Can you die if you go to space, he asked. How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and suit? Wright believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychiatric disorder. Clinical psychologist Joel Swartz, who evaluated Ammon's daughter and older son, came to a similar conclusion. Ammon's daughter told Schwartz that she saw shadowy figures in the Carolina Street home. She said she, she also said she twice went to, into trances. Ammon's older son told Schwartz that the doors would slam and stuff would move around. Ammons was also examined several times by psychologists who said she was guarded but did not seem to be experiencing ex- Symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. Ammons and all three kids continue to insist that they were possessed by demons. You know, I am happy that none of them are placed in, like, a psychiatric hospital or anything. Like, Wasn't the one? Well, it did sound like the son was because he's the one, like, showing, like, possessions, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, like, to talk about ghosts and to talk about, like, oh, I can't, like, let my kids go to school because of the demons and stuff like that. The fact Mm. that, like, these people aren't immediately writing them off. They're like, you know, I'm testing them and they seem fine. Like, I mean, good for this, like, system, wherever. I didn't know Gary, Indiana had such, like, a decent system going on. I don't know if it is. I think, I mean, like, it just, at least at this point in time, like, the fact that they're being taken so seriously. I feel like that'd be the fear, right? Like, I'm going to say that my house is haunted and all this stuff's happening because of that. And immediately be, like, locked up. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, I don't know. I hear what you're saying, that they weren't immediately, like, sent to a psychiatric ward. Right. Like, they're being taken seriously. And I think maybe that is... I think it's, like, probably because other people are, like, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's hand... That's the crazy thing, is that most of the stuff's happening, or at least enough stuff is happening in front of other people. I, I know, and that's what makes the story so, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So, essentially, all of this kind of built up into the day that they um, had Magno go in there and perform an exorcism because they insisted that they were still uh, possessed by demons. Yeah. And um, he performed three exorcisms. Damn. Two in Latin and one in English, and the final one being the one on Ammons herself. Wow. Um, I think there's some controversy over... Well, one, there's controversy over exorcisms anyway. Right. I know that people feel like... I don't... I actually don't know what people feel about exorcisms. I think... Um, I know that people feel like it causes more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't believe in ghosts, I think they think, like, mentally, it's, like, bad. Yeah. Okay. What are your opinions on exorcisms? I think they're scary. I don't know. I don't ever want to have to be near one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a. I don't think I ever will be near one. I I won't be around it. Well, for sure, I'm, I'm never like I'm just gonna volunteer to be in a room or anything. <laughs> True. Yeah, those churches that like perform them in front of everyone, like on the daily, like that's just wild. Um, he ultimately performed three major exorcisms on Ammons, two in English, and the one last one in Latin. Oh, okay, I flipped him. Um, in June 2012 at his Maryville church. During each, Magno said he praised God and condemned the devil. He pressed a crucifix against Ammon's head as he spoke. I'm not going to read this out loud. Okay. Did he say, like, words? Yes. It's, like, what he said. Okay. I don't want to. Yeah. We don't don't need to bring that into the world here. Mm -mm. Um, You guys can look it up. Yeah. Two police officers who had kept in touch with Magno since the home investigation stood nearby in case Ammon's needed to be restrained. Um... I remember I was hurting all over from inside out, she remembered. I'm trying to do my best and be strong. Ew. (laughs) Okay, so some of this I'm not willing to read out loud. It was a very long and complex uh, process that he did with her. He was asking her to name the demons if if she could. Ew. And so, like, you can cast out the individual demons that are doing this. And, like, if there's 200 of them, no way she knows the fucking all 200 of them. Apparently, she she wrote one down that was, like, especially heinous. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that she she didn't even know the name of it until she wrote it down. I can't believe you're like reading it. I'm, I'm I would have X'd out instantly. I'd be like, actually, that's it. That's <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> well, let's see. The ch- um I think the children finally got to come back in June. Okay. The children said they felt safe after they left the house on Carolina Street. So they moved out. Smart. Probably should have done that in the first place. No demonic presences or spirits in the home. DCS family case manager, oh, Christina Olenjnik, wrote in their meeting notes on January 10th, 2013. This is all a year. The family is no longer fixated solely on religion to explain or cope with the children's issues. Okay. For her part, Ammon said it was not the psychologist who who resolved her problems. When you hear something like this, don't assume it's not real because I've lived it. I know it's real. Damn. Then that's the demon house in Indiana, in Gary, Indiana. I won't, I like won't be going there. I shan't be going there. 
if I know it's nearby when we're going through Indiana, I'm going to close my eyes. I can't fucking deal. So it sounds, they, so they are in a different house now? Yeah, they moved out. I don't know, man. It's, it's an awful lot to go through. (sighs) It's an awful lot to go through to like Mm. be fake. You know what I mean? Like this is a huge shtick if it's a shtick. Yeah. And it's not that people wouldn't do that, but like it doesn't. It doesn't it's sound not like giving right. Shake. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they got a lot from it. You know, I know. I think that that's what is is. It calls me to say like, I think there probably was ghost activity, and they were also blaming the ghosts for like the kids' behavior. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think I think it's possible that a lot of things were happening at the same time. Well, and she it like some of the shit that she does and the decisions that she makes. I have to remember that, like, the culture that she was raised in and, like, the religion that she was raised in have so deeply affected her. Yeah. Like, I can't – it's not fair to be, like, yeah. why don't you know better? She may have been literally homeschooled and only, like, gone to church. Right. And I guess I don't – well, that's true, like, keeping the kids home and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, I do think, like, you know, what – I don't know, like – her excuses made sense. Like if the if you're if you're willing to believe it, you have to like believe that like that's a lot. You know, like a person. I'm gonna Google it real quick. Okay, a person being like haunted by one ghost can be like truly torn down. You know what I mean? Of course. And it, so like to have a house that filled with really negative stuff, like it again, if you're choosing to believe it, like you. 200 plus entities like of course you're gonna run ragged you're gonna go sick you're gonna whatever and like it's her and her grandmother or her and her mom Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do you know like you don't know what to do in that situation so like it's not if you're believing it Mm -hmm. it's not completely like out of question for all of a sudden you're like keeping your kids home and you're trying to just like fight through it day to day and all of a sudden you're like oh shit like I didn't I didn't realize how how much they'd missed you know what I mean like I just days have flown by I don't even know what's going on my you know? kids on the ceiling <laughs> can't get him down like he can't he's not gonna make it on time <laughs> Uh, uh, he's calling in sick today. Oh, this is like the third day in a row. I have 200 fucking demons in my home. <laughs> it might be 10 days in a row. Right. Like, if you want to come grab him from the ceiling, I'm... You <laughs> You're more than go. fucking welcome. <laughs> you come get him down. I don't speak Latin. <laughs> I just like, yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. I... I don't know. He like, walked up the wall. Right. And there was no sign of like... It sounded like there was no sign of neglect or abuse other than the fact that they had been staying home from what, like, you were reading, you know? It didn't sound like they weren't eating. It didn't sound like they weren't even being, like, cleaned. It sounds like it was... It was in fine uh, condition, and they didn't have any marks or bruises on them. Right. So it sounds like the only kind of neglect that she was having was keeping them home, which, like, again, I I don't want to, like... (laughs) That would be a really bad situation, too, if that's what she was doing. But, like, it's not 
There's not enough evidence that's like, yeah, she definitely was fucking just like a bad mom or that's she was the just root abusing of them, you know? That's it's, totally the root of this. If there was a haunted house like that where it was just like purely an evil place and they're surviving through it, like the one thing that showed up as like, yeah, the kids haven't gone to school in a long time, like that would make sense in that scenario, you know? Them being thrown around and stuff, I feel like they would have had bruises, though. Mm. There's conflicting shit. <laughs> I think the, what you said, like, there's not enough evidence, period. There's not enough evidence. Like, right. There's, there's not more evidence, at least, for, like... Demonic fucking possession. Yeah, that people, like, Witnessed saw it. it. Yeah. Um, so, Zach Baggins actually bought the home. He did. And uh, he apparently said that this... You know, take this as you will with him. But he said it was easily, like, the most disgusting, one of the most disgusting places he's ever been. Yeah. Um, He made a documentary about it called Demon House. Yeah. In 2019. And it, he also uh, made the decision to demolish it. Wow. You know what? And, like, I, I will say for me, like, I don't believe the shit he does, like we were saying. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think... Like, Ghost Adventures is just a stupid show. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't, I believe he might be going to haunted places, but I don't think he's catching any evidence. He's just being stupid. Mm -hmm. But the man loves ghosts. He's a ghosty lover for sure. And he loves making money. And so for him not to turn that house into a museum, that tells me that it might be fucking haunted. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he made... A documentary about like these people's the people in the area who like their stories about it yeah and the encounters that have happened and then demolished it like yeah and I just like being being the guy he is being kind of like the sleazy businessman he is with like haunted things mm -hmm. like he's got that he collects all the haunted shit and has the museum for him not to turn that into attraction an attraction where he can make money like that that gives me the vibe. Yeah, that it might actually be like a fucking portal. <laughs> I um I think I think the most the closest I could get to it would be like passing by in a car that's going 50. I can't stop thinking about like the broken up concrete just in that one spot where it's a dirt ground. Mm -hmm. Like that's obviously where the portal is, right? She she said it seems to emanate from under the stairs. The guy that like went in there because he was like a believer and whatever. And the then, cop? Yeah. And then his own life gets fucked up. Like, because like you said, there's so many, like, even just like going in for a second, like, if you're entertaining it, like, easily one of them could hop on. You know, he there's showed fear. Yeah. There's one house, like, there's one ghost in the house. Like, that's its house. It's probably going to stay there for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, if anything, the family's been in there for a while provoking it. Like, it'll probably go to them. Fuck, five ghosts. I'd yeah. Like, oh, they live here. Yeah. 200? You know some of them are getting restless. He said he doesn't believe in demons. Yeah. And then all that shit started. His garage, that night, that night, yeah. his shit started fucking up. The thing that was happening that the mechanic was like, yeah, you probably would have gotten into an accident. Like, that alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Blech. Don't fuck with that shit, man. Yeah, I would never hear that. I'd be like, oh, I believe them, and now I'm moving. True. <laughs> I don't want to live in Gary. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel strongly enough about Gary to stay here. <laughs> yeah. 
Ugh. No. So those were our very ooky spooky scary uh, ghost stories in Indiana. If you have any haunted stories about where you live, please write them in to ghoulbeanspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at ghoulbeanspodcast. If you have coffee recommendations, I would love a good coffee recommendation. Me too, because we're just finding stuff. And like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm having a good time doing it. But if there's something we should be looking out for, why wouldn't you tell me? <laughs> Sis. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you for joining us. And spilling the ghoul bee. 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 Bee.